What's up, everybody? We are in June 2023, and this month's sponsor of the Spamming Zero podcast is Zowie. GetZowie.com. So what do they offer? They offer SMS, email, and chat for your customer support. They actually have a few different products that I want to go into just quickly, but also in addition to all that, they are an amazing advocate for AI and teaching people about AI. So they have an entire knowledge center that's called the AI Knowledge Center. You can subscribe to that. They provide a bunch of different material on many aspects of AI, not just related to the realm that they focus on. But here's some of their products. The first one is Zowie Automate, Zowie Care, Zowie Grow, and Zowie X1. And I find it really fascinating because their Grow product, for example, can turn every interaction that your agent has into a potential revenue stream. It's one of the most difficult things that we can do is trying to turn those interactions without it seeming like we're hard selling. Zowie helps you do that. Um, the automation piece is, is pretty simple. It just gets rid of the repetitive tasks. We talk a lot about that at Flip as well. They do it on the email, SMS, and chat. They also, on their website, have a one-minute chat chatbot builder. So go play around with that. Again, getzowie.com. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spamming Zero. Ooh, it's another week with Spamming Zero. Welcome to the show, everybody. Super excited about this episode because we have Alex Collis, who is the Senior Director of Operations at Princess Polly, 40 under 40 in retail. By the way, like if you are watching the video version of this, I asked her prior to the show, like what these awards are above her. So she's going to show us her collection of amazing awards. Oh my gosh. Can you do that? Like, this is wild. Like, look at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's for anybody that's not familiar, the Stevie's, the Stevie awards, <laughs> um, for sales and customer service. There's a few of those, um, uh, international business awards, uh, American business awards. Um, some of them are for executive of the years, uh, woman of the year, young professional. They do this one. I'm not eligible anymore. Um, but they do this one. That's like under, you have to be under 30 by like a certain date. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not eligible anymore, but I, I got that one before I turned 30. So yeah, just some, some fun things and, um, very, it's awesome that like the CX industry, you know, does things like that and, and, and awards people that are so passionate um, because there's so much to so much passion to have for your customers. And yeah, it, really, really awesome. Well, I needless to say, Alex knows her stuff quite well. So this is going to be a great episode. I'm excited about it. We're going to be talking about Alex's journey, who, by the way, she was a professional ice skater. Is this correct? Yeah, so random. <laughs> We're going to dive into this. This is going to be so fun. Um, but first, introduce yourself to the audience. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are, some of your background, and yeah, let's start there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So as, as James mentioned, I'm, I'm Alex Collis, the Senior Director of Operations at Princess Polly. Um, we are one of the fastest growing e-commerce fashion brands in the world. So yeah, I've been very, very exciting. Um, my journey, as you mentioned, very interesting, like, um, just it, it started in an unconventional setting, which was an ice rink. Um, I was competitive and then turned professional for many years. I started around the age of eight, uh, probably younger, because my mother had skated and took me here and there, but really started taking lessons and just through it, like it brought so much discipline and perseverance and like the thrill of performance um, into my life. And it also sparked my love for fashion. Like as a child, I, I found myself um, enchanted by the pages of Vogue magazine. And like this is before, this is before like social media and and everybody you know pushing fashion as an agenda. I think, um, but just I would kind of creatively like reimagine the models' outfits into figure skating dresses, and I learned to sew and sketch, um, and even designed some of my skating costumes. So. I just always envisioned myself as this like fashion designer in my future. That was my ultimate goal. And then I stopped competing around the age of 18. I was, I was in this really, what I thought at the time was like this career ending a car accident. It was, was really bad. And I went through some rehab um, and then just decided to turn professional. 
And I began touring um, with professional figure skating shows, um, toured about 200 cities in, in about 40 countries. So have been all over the world and a lot of that culture and things has also helped me in my career um, as it stands now. And just like, I think when I was, when I realized I was done with that, I wanted like the consistency because on tour you travel every single week or sometimes twice a week to a new city. And so I did this for a, several years. Um, and at, at one point I was like, all right, I, I need some like consistency. And so I decided to come back to the US, um, went to fashion school and only to kind of realize that my true passion really laid on what I thought was design. I started pattern drafting and everything. And I realized like, I have to dress a bust form. Like I don't get to wear this <laughs> or I'm like making this thing, but nobody gets to like wear it. So kind of turned my gears toward the marketing and creative side. And um, that's what I ultimately went to school for. Um, but in this sort of shift in my career, um, over the years, I had held several managerial positions within companies um, on the retail side of things, and then had a, a, a stint at Rent the Runway during their sort of like subscription expansion phase. Um, and this role is really what exposed me to like the invigorating challenges of exponential growth within like a customer centric model. Um, and I guess it was really like during this time I discovered my love for like the customer experience and that it was a vital, played a vital role in, in retail that just like totally resonated with me. Um, from there, like, I think the call of the Australians was too strong to ignore <laughs> because I was really drawn to like the vibrant and playful spirit of Princess Polly. And it was a brand that kind of mirrored my own passion. Um, joined the team as we were preparing to launch the US operation. And yeah, just making this exciting turning point in my career. Um, and since then have just been part of this phenomenal growth. And we launched the US uh, operation in 2019, uh, went public in 2021, had the honor of attending the New York Stock Exchange. So very, very exciting. Um, and yeah, just kind of circling back to like that journey from the ice ring to where I am now and the path that's just been filled with so much discovery and challenge and, and probably most importantly, a whole lot of fun. I, uh, I got to unpack two things that you said. I, I, I'm very, genuinely curious about this and maybe, I don't know, maybe if you even have some pictures of this, maybe we could put it in the blog post. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So you designed some of your own costumes. Um, mm -hmm. and I would, what was your favorite one? Like kind of describe it to the audience. Oh like, my gosh. Oh, I have so many, but my favorite one, and I always was inspired by like the music and whatever I was skating to. It was really important for um, my coaches and myself to create. It's so funny because all of this just ties directly to like what I do now, but create an experience. Like it was about creating an experience for the audience at that time for the judges, right? And telling a story. So each program is what we call them or routine, um, had a story. And this one storyline, um, it was basically like I was a musician and again, very not, not as theatrical as you might think, but, um, the inspiration behind it, the dress itself had, it was red and I, and I, we could totally do a photo if you want. I created this really awesome pattern that had a music note kind of coming down the very center of like the bust. And then it turned into like the strings and down the whole back was all these music notes. Um, and the number was a very jazzy number. It was a technical competition, um, which is like kind of like something you'd maybe see on TV. And um, yeah, it was just so jazzy and fun and competitive skating costume. So again, not as theatrical, but that was probably one of my more favorite ones and um, something that just like I had so much to do with the whole design of it that um, yeah like just so much so much fun and I look back and I think about all these things and um, yeah it was it was an awesome oftentimes the music was probably what would inspire ultimately like what I wore I, I love that M mm -hmm. music is like I'm, I'm super passionate about music music is one thing that really gets me and um, do you I definitely, play any instruments or do you like play? I, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't talk about it a lot, but 
Um, when I lost my eyesight, I actually taught myself how to play piano. Really? Um, oh, so my, I, that's fascinating. I don't, I don't even put my hands on the keys the right way. <laughs> like People that play like professionally and stuff, like they'll see how I put my hands on, on the keys and they're like, what in the world? Like, what are you doing? But like, I, I make it work and I can only play by ear. So that's it's fun. Cool. I, I love it. Yeah. We are definitely including a picture. If you have one, we have got to put it on oh there. I, I probably have to do sketch somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we should yeah. do that. That'd be okay. wild. <clears throat> so I grew up with two sisters, actually three sisters. Um, and they were into competitive dance. Um, so I would go to their competitions with them and I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity to delve into the world of figure skating, but dance competitions are in somewhat very similar. Like the amount of work that has to go in there (laughs) and the discipline. And it just so happens that now I have a daughter who's 14 and she just made her first like competitive dance group. Um, and she's super, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And she's super excited about it. Um, and, but I, I can't help, but relive some of the nightmares that I remember (laughs) my sisters going through. And I'm like, all right, so tell me as a dad, how do I make sure that she doesn't feel those same nightmares? Oh my gosh. Um, wait, so had you ever, did you ever play a sport or anything? Yeah, I played basketball. Okay, played- so you know, right? Yeah. You, it's the same thing. It's all relative. Like, you know, I, I think probably the most important thing is like you're never, nothing's ever just perfect. Like it takes practice. Like I, that is probably the most important thing. And it re- like that will take you so far in life. Like there are so many lessons from this portion of my life in skating that totally translate into what I'm doing now. And like, it's all discipline. Um, and just this emphasis on like progress over perfection. And, um, yeah, I mean, more than anything, like skating taught me that the journey matters as much as the destination. And again, like these insights have been like a fundamental part of my own career. What do you, what, when you watch ice skating, like what is something when you're watching it on TV, what is something that's really impressive to you? Well, it tells a story and it tells a story through nonverbal cues, which I think okay, is right. the beauty of dance, right? Totally. And I mean, I wouldn't say this is as, as often in dance as it is in skating, but in skating, you're always falling down and you're always getting back up. And so that teaches you again, like kind of taking it back to like the discipline, you literally fall down and you're expected to like get up and just have a smile on your face and keep going. And like, this applies to anyone in any industry, whether you're in a startup or e-commerce or your daughter who's in dance, like, like if you're going to, you're going to encounter hurdles and make mistakes and like face failures, but it's your ability to like get back up and learn from these experiences and kind of just keep pushing forward that truly matters. So gosh, if there was any advice, like focus on progress over perfection. I love that. advice. That's what I would say. Great advice. I tell her all the time, like, Hey, look, like now you've made a competitive team, which is awesome. But now in order to keep making the competitive, competitive team, you got to just continually improve every day when you, when you can. A hundred percent. And I think too, like, part of trying to, um, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn so much about yourself. Um, if you can stay present in the moment about with your own thoughts and maybe not what other people are thinking, that's another, another thing in a, in a sport like dance or ice skating or, or anything, um, where you're always up against those kinds of challenges. So that's another one, like to, to stay strong, like, and trust your, your internal confidence more than anything. Love that. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, I want to be sensitive to the fact that you went and went through it through an accident, Mm. but do you get an opportunity to explore that passion of figure skating today? And when was the last time you got to? Okay. So this is going to sound so funny. Um, I, I I do still skate. Of course I, any figure skater will always like skate if they have the ability. It's like, especially if you get to a certain level, it is ingrained in you. It is, I put it before anything or anyone else in my life, like 
my number one passion, my truest passion. Now, when I stopped skating, I, I didn't really ever stop again, but just I shifted gears toward my career now. And I kind of the way I think about this is like, I had so much passion to give and so much energy that, that I spent towards pursuing this like goal with skating um, to get to a point where I realized there are other things in life that were also important to me. And I kind of just injected all of this passion and purpose like into what I'm doing now. And um, I know a lot of people say it's, uh, it sounds also inspiring and it is, but I totally still skate. And I just did a performance actually with a group. I'm, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm from the Bay area. And so I went back up home. I'm from Santa Rosa, California. Um, where Charles Schultz actually created the Peanuts characters. And so there is a world up at Snoopy's Home Ice that is forever my home. And I traveled back up there. Charles Schultz was known for also having these like massive, beautiful, stunning um, uh, figure skating shows. And then during the winter time, and then also during the summer, there was this like senior world hockey tournament and they had the hockey players. And so I have a friend who, um, she has a, a nonprofit, it's called Redwood Ice Theater Company. And I just did a show um, where it's called The Glitter Games and we brought in professional figure skaters and hockey players. And we had them basically, uh, or me and my hockey player partner um, spent like two days basically learning a routine together. We, we choreographed the whole thing. And, um, and then skated in a, it was like, it was a show, it was this hour long show and, but it was a competition where the different pairs would compete against each other. And it was so much fun. So I still stay very involved and connected. And, you know, my, again, my whole like a community is that world. So really fun. And it's also just kind of brings back like all the childhood memories, um, I grew up doing some of those shows. And my first show was when I was actually 11 years old. I was in the very last um, Charles Schultz show as Woodstock, the bird. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just like so, so incredibly special. So I still do skate my long-winded answer there, but I, God, you get me reminiscing about all this stuff and then I get so excited. <laughs> That's the point, right? That's why we want to talk about stuff that people are passionate about. Yeah. It's, I, I, I am guilty in the fact that I am not a good figure skater. <laughs> not I, you I, are unless you really train. So yeah, don't even like no judgment. <laughs> I fall so much. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I do watch it a lot. Uh, yeah. you know, like when the Olympics come on, I especially watch it. I think my mom and my sisters kind of instilled that in me because that was like their thing. They loved watching figure skating. Sure. Um, Christy Yamaguchi back in the day, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just did a whole, we just, there was a whole, um, Scott Hamilton has a, um, another organization, it's the Scott Cares Foundation, and um, they came up to Santa Rosa, Christy Yamaguchi, her husband, who's a, a well-known hockey player, um, they were all there as well, and um, we did a whole thing for what would have been Charles Schultz's um, 100th uh, birthday. So it was in celebration of life for him. And, um, and it all the proceeds was like over $120,000. I believe that was um, uh, donated to his organization. So uh, just, uh, again, that part of the community, like there's so many things that that they're doing to give back. And um, it's always fun to be part of all of that. Yeah, I have this wild idea for you. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you could take it or leave it. But <laughs> You know, you did, you, you did this like little mini Dancing with the Stars thing um, for figure skating and you, you brought in the hockey players. Yeah. Well, like, why not? Uh, why not like do a fashion show with Princess Polly's product lines this way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys are opening yeah. up a U.S. U.S. like location. Like you could do something really cool. Right. I, I mean, I'm just yeah, saying. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. Stay tuned for more on <laughs> All of that with Princess Polly. We are opening up our first store um, at Westfield Century City in Los Angeles, and it's coming this fall. So um, also overseeing that. And it's been a very exciting, um, very exciting time for us. So more to come. And like, we're absolutely going to have events. So I know our customers are totally going to love it. 
All right. Well, maybe that's not the greatest idea, but I think it would be pretty cool. You know what? You never know, James. You just (laughs) never know. It's true. I mean, you know, I'm sure you probably have much better ideas than that, but, uh, you know, it's worth a shot. So tell me about like, what are, what are the big challenges that you ran into as you kind of like went from shifting careers into what you're in today? Um, Mm. What are the big challenges and how did you overcome them? Um, Yeah. So I guess transitioning like from, again, this professional athlete to a leader in e-commerce and it, it was, it's been a journey. Um, I would say there's probably like three main challenges and that would be just like refining leadership skills, um, combating self-doubt, right? I kind of mentioned that and then just demonstrating resilience. Like I'd say first, like stepping into a leadership role, it really required not only building up my technical expertise, but also like my ability to just inspire a team. And I, you know, it it was kind of here that I think I really realized the significance of having um, a career coach. And much like my coaches in skating, my career coach has played an instrumental role, like in shaping my leadership style and just honestly accelerating my growth into this, this corporate world. Um, I highly recommend a coach for anybody that doesn't have one or that's looking to shift focuses or shift gears or um, just needs that guidance, like, you know, find an industry expert or find a, a leadership coach or find somebody that can help inspire you and help you through yourself, like navigating and um, and achieving your goals. Right. It's I'm somebody like I firmly believe that setting a goal is really important because while you might not always achieve it, you can at least have um, a, a structure like plans and, and something in place to help get you there, which I think is so important. So um, I would say kind of just on that like self-doubt bit, like this was a significant hurdle. Now you have to think of like in ice skating, when you go out and you compete, you're just judged. Like you're literally judged by everyone. It is your results are based off of someone else's opinion. Like there is absolutely technical, um, um, you know, things in place to allow the technical ability to speak for itself. But there is absolutely this element of just what people prefer. And so you're constantly dealing with that. And I, I've always had to remind myself not to let like the external voices cloud my self-perception and just drawing parallels to my figure skating days, I really, I focused on my, where I focused on just the routine and the performance and like not the crowd's opinions. And I think that that's so important. And um, again, probably where that leadership coach can help to come in or somebody that can help you recognize like the things that the, the, the way you are, the why you are the way you are. And um And just knowing that like you having this internal confidence can make such a difference. And again, kind of then on the resilience side of things, like it's just a key trait that I've transferred over from my skating career directly, like just in skating where, you know, a fall doesn't define the performance. Like it's the grace in which you rise and continue that does. Um, I learned to really see those setbacks as opportunities in disguise and displaying resilience as a leader, it also serves to inspire your team. And it demonstrates that they can also overcome challenges. So I think that it's so important too, because, you know, again, in e-commerce, like instead of seeking this unreachable perfection, um, it's vital to just celebrate the incremental achievements and kind of focus on long, long-term progress. Um, I well, think there's, that, so, that, there's, yeah. there's so many components, there's so many components in e-commerce, totally. right? This is a, this is something that we've been talking a lot about internally at flip. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that I, I keep reminding everybody like, Hey, you know what? Like, yes, we have a product that is great and can serve somebody who's in e-commerce, but we're one little piece of the pie and the bigger picture is much bigger than us. And the more 100%. that we can, more that we can help, I think this is especially true for vendors out there that are listening to the more that you can help tackle the bigger piece and help Mm. an e-commerce company, like tackle those things that maybe your product can't provide value. The more that the people that are taking these products are going to be able to find value, not just in the product that you're giving, 
but also the relationship that you're trying to build with them. Uh, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I speak to the partnerships and relationships things all the time, because again, like there's so much that you can learn from other people and that you can also teach them. And that collaborative kind of partnership, um, you know, I'm very thankful in which all of our partners are always so supportive of our personalized customer journey. Like mm -hmm. if we don't want just like out of the box, no, we are where we are because we have done things differently and we've done things that work for us specifically for our customers. So I have so much respect in that, in those partners and those companies that are absolutely willing to ensure that their partnerships are a critical element to their success. I mean, of course it is like, it's part of the business model, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like you genuinely have to kind of care. And, um, for those that do, well, I mean, it's just like the skies are the limit. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Cause I want to dive into what you have just talked about on what makes princess Paula unique. Mm. Like you've been part of the growth journey here. Yeah. So talk, dive a little bit deeper into what you feel like has contributed to the growth and being one of the fastest growing e-commerce brands in the world. Oh, totally. I mean, gosh, like I kind of, we'll tie this just right back to like people. I would say our people and our customers, like that's, what's been the key to our success. I'm so honored to share a space with our team that just includes some of the most passionate individuals that genuinely love what they do and are so dedicated to our mission to make on-trend fashion sustainable and accessible. Um, yeah. And there's just something to be said about our leadership that inspires individuals. Um, on the customer side though, like to me, the incredible customer journeys that we've always created, um, our product, our values, like I'll speak to kind of the CX side of things we genuinely listen to our customers. This is not just at the CX level, this is at every level in the organization. And um, I know companies say that they do this, but we really do. Like CX is all about creating memorable and positive interactions between a customer and a brand and fostering satisfaction. Like anyone that's heard me, um, I'll, I'll say my little quote that I, I often say at conferences or when I speak and, and that is, um, that the customer experience is the heart of an organization and we pump the blood and deliver oxygen to vital organs in the business to help them thrive and grow stronger. So a lot of our business decisions are based on things like comments, DMs on social media um, that we receive, right? The customer support tickets, of course, along with product reviews, the general feedback, like returns feedback, for example, you know, People said they wanted sustainable options. So now we have this lower impact line. Uh, people said they wanted petite sizes. Now we have petite sizes available. Um, people said they wanted a store. We're bringing you a store. <laughs> um, like, and you know what's so interesting is, I could talk about this all day. Like if a customer has an issue with a package, um, it's so in interesting to me that uh, in a lot of organizations, CX will sit under marketing. I think that's a mistake and we have it in operations and there's a reason for that. And I get, I, I get asked this question all the time. Like, why is it that way for you? Listen, like is a marketing, is a marketing leader going to, you, you get a customer support ticket. That's like a Wismo question, right? Where's my order, you know, or why is it delayed or whatever? Is the marketing leader going to go talk to the freight provider company? Like, or go chat with a 3PL to go talk with the freight Like, no. So oftentimes it's these band-aid solutions that to kind of fix problems. Whereas within operations, you can just attack every single problem and fix it, which is super cool. So I think because of that, I would absolutely say that has a direct correlation to our success. When we launched in the US, all we did was listen to feedback and where we needed to improve. Hands down. That. Yeah, it's there's a there's also a healthy balance of trying to <clears throat> make sure that you're not and this is going to sound terrible, but I'm, I'm <laughs> different like frame of mind here, but you don't want to do everything. 
that your customers want you to do. Right. There's a line. <laughs> because, there's a line. Yeah, yeah, there's a line there. So how how do you um how do you gauge that? Like there's always feedback coming from customers, right? And different mm-hmm. ideas that they could probably throw at you. How do you weigh the difference? Like is it oh well we're hearing this the majority of the time or a certain percentage or how do you how do you do that internally? I mean, absolutely. Like we'll quantify the issues and figure out, again, I think the other element that we're not considering here is like, what's also important to every other department um, to help create like CX and just operational synergy um, and, and really foster the relationships and, and collaboration between teams. Because sometimes your priority might not be another team's priority. And that obviously like needs to be considered. So that's really important in the decision-making process of what we choose to do, um, when and how, um, of course, like we'll run so much analytics and data before we ever make a decision. So I would also argue that we don't just listen, like we will run analyses on different topics and cross correlate different data points to really point us in the right direction. So all of the decisions that we make are, are absolutely driven by, um, data. I mean, if there is a 911 and it's very obvious, then immediately like all teams are on board to just pivot. And that's, what's also really important. And I think that collaboration and that ability to adapt, um, kind of the idea of like scrappiness is a virtue and you, you got to make it work. And some things may take a sideline for a second, but, um, if there is a 911, like it's, it's, you know, all hands on deck and, so I guess it just depends. Very, very determined by the situation itself. Yeah. I, I, I love the way that you're approaching that too, because I do think that it's important to use data um, for sure. <laughs> As yeah. somebody who ha- like, that's actually my, my background for my career and how I even got to where I'm at is the data stuff. And um, did it help you? Right. Like, I mean, it's literally the only reason why I'm a CMO today. <laughs> there you go. I mean, uh, there you I mean, go. Like I, I am not great with, with like writing. I mean, I'm getting better at it. Okay. And I'm, I'm a great storyteller. <laughs> well, now you have ChatGPT <clears throat> to help you. Right. So <laughs> oh, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, like I, that wasn't a strong suit of mine. And typically like marketers are really, really good at that part. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really creative with brand and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, like data is what, what did it for me. Um, yeah. Being able to understand that and then how to manipulate the data so that you can actually make it actionable is, is a, is a big part of it. That is so important. It's one thing to just like, Hey everyone, here's a report. Here's the data to pay attention to. It's a whole nother thing when you, when it's actionable insights, like it's so important to actually, and again, from like a time perspective and where your dollars are going towards people's time, like that is so important so that you're not, you've got this efficiency and you're not wasting time if more than anything. Yeah. I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, um, like what most of the audience that listens to the show are directly like in a role in e-commerce or they're at an e-commerce brand. Hmm. And I would love for you to tell our listeners what's your big piece of advice that you would give uh, to e-commerce brands on like, what's something that you feel like they need to focus on? Um, I mean, I could get super specific about this. I would say that my, the, the, just like a high level of, of what I think people need to do to, to find success is just dare to be different. Like innovation is what got us to where we are, not copying other people. Like, again, like I kind of am pushing back on this to listen to the customer, but you, you have to make decisions based on data and feedback and not just do what everybody else is doing because that same sort of copy paste model, it's kind of like implementing a new solution. Like I said, everything is so customized to your specific customer journey. And I think that's so important because any brand can go and just copy another brand and their Mm -hmm. strategies, but it's how they're actually executing their strategies that you might not know. And I think that that is, can be uh, a mistake, Um, you know, and, and there are just so many companies out there that, um, are in similar parallels now in the e-commerce space. And I think that you don't want to lose sight of that. You don't want to lose sight of like, well, they're doing this, let's do that. And 
I mean, it, innovation is just so important to, to for what works best for for you. I wasn't planning on asking you this, but now I kind of want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, Princess Polly is bar bar none like ahead of the curve of of most. But what other brands in e commerce would you say are ahead of the curve in this area? Um, it kind of I think it would just depend on what specific thing you're looking at. I think there are companies that have their strong suits and there are companies that are a little behind. And um, this is good. This is the, I hate saying this word and I hate comparing anything to it. It's the A word. Do you know what I'm going to say? Nope, but I'm, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Amazon. Oh, and yeah. unfortunately, like what's the, what they're doing with like, and maybe I'll use like an example so people understand. Um, the customer from, especially the customer experience side of things, like to be able to, um, pick up in a lot of different places, return your stuff in a lot of different places. Like they make it so easy. Mm -hmm. They make it so easy. And, um, what brands face is trying to keep up with that. Right. So, I mean, I don't want to name a brand directly in our parallel that I think is like doing anything. I think we're doing it by far the best, like, oh, yeah. but, um, but you know, there's constantly changes and, um, in tech in AI, um, which is a hot topic right now, as I'm sure, you know, like there's just constantly so much to do to try and keep ahead of the curve. So, um, yeah, I don't really have, I guess, a specific answer for you. I, hopefully that was specific enough, but, um, well, I think about like brands that are being innovative and different in the market. Um, in e-commerce yeah. and there's, there's, there's two that come to mind right away, um, as well, besides princess Polly, which by the way, is always on the top of the mind and the top of the list. Um, I think about <clears throat> liquid death, mm. um, cause they're just like so irreverent and doing things so different. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think about, uh, how aviator nation has grown, um, okay. And like their drops in California doing their concerts where they like will release like product clothings, their scarcity I mean, again, tactics. There's, there's a whole other side of things too with, with tech and again, like the metaverse, like who's jumping into that right now. And gosh, it's, there's, again, I think it depends on your industry too. Like it, yeah. it's, it varies between industries. Um, but yeah, I, I hear you. I totally hear you. All right, so let's play a little game, Alex. Okay. We play FMK on our podcast. So tell us something you think is sexy in e-commerce right now. Okay. Um, I will go with, how about, a I just kind of said it, AI and the chat GBT like experiences. Um, like, I did not think that's where you were going. I did not at all. Really? Well, <laughs> yeah. it's such a hot topic right now. How can it not be like the number one thing on everyone's mind? I, I and listen, like I have never been into the robotic like chatbots. Um, <laughs> like you know, when you ask it a question and it recommends an article, it's just a terrible and sometimes very frustrating experience. But there is just this whole world of unknowns right now. And it's such a thrilling and exciting time. And there are some people that are out there doing it right now. I think there's also a lot of risk involved and um, a lot that you have to be mindful of. Um, but that is something that I would say, like, I absolutely think it's totally trendy right now in the e-com space, whether it's from the CX side or the marketing side, or like there's so many different sides to it and, and facets to it that, what were you thinking I was going to say? I don't know. I just did not think it was going to be AI. Um, oh. There's so many people out there that we've talked to on the show and um, just outside the show too, that to your point, like have a lot of fear with AI right now. And we mm -hmm. actually just did like a big digital event where we brought in some AI vendors and literally talked about from like a technical perspective, how you, there are certain things you need to be asking vendors. You need to be looking yes. at their product roadmaps. You need to be understanding how they have like security and compliance. Security and, and data is probably the number one thing right now. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> so like it was, there... by the way, in this, in this event, it was the number one thing people were asking questions about. 
That's by a mean. long ways. It wasn't even close. Like, so I, know. I so just who knows where it's going to go. Yeah. Like, I just think it's such a thrilling and exciting time because this is another shift in technology and, yep. and we're only scratching, not even hardly scratching the surface of it. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I think the, there are a lot of things out there that are experiences that maybe they're not that, the, you know, based on the same like chat GPT sort of experience, but more of like the language learning models. There are things that are innovative out there that right now can be used and are safe. But um, that whole other world of it, I think I'm just excited about to see like what what everybody does with all of this and, and kind of where just in the in the industry, in the tech industry right now, it's just such a controversial topic as well, which I think, again, kind of why I find it, you know, innovative and trendy. So you, have you played around with mid journey at all? It's a design element of chat. Okay. So listen, like I I may be crazy here, but I'm going to make a prediction. Right. in In the next 12 months, I think that there will be more fashion brands using a design element like Midjourney, right? Taking an initial con- concept that a human being comes up with and using AI to create different variations of it at a much quicker scale. I, I genuinely think this is going to happen. Like I saw this image today on, uh-huh. a, on, a LinkedIn, on a LinkedIn post and this, this gentleman has been using Midjourney since it very first came out, which was in 2022, early 2022. And okay. he showed the same exact prompt that he gave it, gave it, which happened to be a Yoda selfie. So if you're a Star Wars fan, you know what uh-huh. I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And it was like this distorted image of a Yoda. Uh, didn't even make sense. He did it again f- three months later, then did it again three months later and showed the progression all the way through today. You would not believe just in one year. The, I'm totally going to look this up. <laughs> it is, it, I, I will send it to you. But, okay, yeah, please do. It is wild to see just in one year the progress yeah, yeah. that it's made. And I think obviously more, more companies are going to be leveraging AI more than ever. All right. So let's yeah. go to the next question. <clears throat> yeah. What's something you love and you've loved for a while and you hope it stick, sticks around? Um, okay. So I love that people are realizing that CX and operational synergy is like the critical path to truly making a difference. Like I said, Mm. like people often ask me about why CX lives under operations. Um, I think more than ever CX has become the forefront of like listening to your customers, paying attention, truly making change happen. So I really hope that that sticks around. I, again, like being a CX advocate myself, I just, um, I know how much data there is there to, to like, just dig into and ways that it can truly make a difference in your organization. So I would say that's what hands down, like, I hope it sticks around like that, the main mentality of it becoming, cause there was this one day when everybody just like customer services, the, you know, cost center of the business and we've just got to do it. And it's yeah. not that way. At least it's not in our organization. And, um, yeah, I really hope that I continue to see that again, like to your, to the point of uh, awarding people that are passionate about it. I, I absolutely think that that's fantastic. It only inspires the community more. So by the way, a small little plug, Alex is one of the judges for the back to the customer. Woo-hoo! Super excited about that. That's going to be. You too can big, become so. a CX award winning leader. <laughs> And we're excited about that one. Um, Apply now. (laughs) And honored that that you're participating as a judge. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, All right. So what would you, what do you want to get rid of? Like what, what, what do you want? What do you wish was like gone? (laughs) There are so many things. Can I just like, okay, this is kind of funny because it's so important, but can I just say returns? Like I wish that customers would just be, I want to get rid of returns like all together. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish that it wasn't reliant on people coming back to us, but it totally is. Um, but if there was something I could just kill and it'd be totally fine and life goes on and it doesn't impact a business, then I would absolutely say <laughs> it's just something that um, trying to create a, an experience. Number one, it's also like the most expensive, um, 
part of like operating just the economics of it can, yeah. can be very costly. But I think they're in some cases a little bit broken right now with um, customers expecting the world of, of, of how to return something. Um, so I just think there's a lot of opportunity for it. Maybe that's really what I'm, I'm suggesting here. Not that I want to kill it, but still so <laughs> much opportunity for it. And I would argue we have a, an incredible return policy um, that we're super proud to have built. Uh, but yeah, there's just like, we just keep exploring uh, more ways to make that customer journey super seamless and easy, um, but also have it make sense financially. Love it. Yeah. Okay. We're going to, we're going to play another little game that's rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. By the way, I did not forewarn Alex on this. <laughs> what, are, what are these questions going to be? Yeah. Um, great. That's a great question. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay. So first one I got for you is I want you to fill in the blank. Okay. Okay. I wish that figure skating was what? On TV more often. <laughs> Love it. Okay. <laughs> See, you were scared of the question, but it wasn't as bad yeah, as I thought. Right? Yeah, it just needs to be. I feel like, you know, besides like the I, Tanya movie and all of those things that people know about figure skating or, oh, I watch it when it's on the Olympics. No, it needs, I want to be a bigger sport. That's, it needs to be on TV more. Okay. So fill in the blank. Or tell me what you would what you would do in this situation. So you 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 suddenly get this really great budget that you haven't had. So you oh get all gosh. this like new discretionary funds. Let's say you get like this is like a way big exaggeration, but you get a million dollars. The Princess Polly gives you right on the spot. They're like, hey, do whatever you want with it. What are you doing with it? Invested in my people and leadership development. Mm, love it. I mean, it would go elsewhere. It would, no, I mean, that's just like what I would totally do with it. I mean, and from, a, I, again, I've kind of been talking a little bit about this today is just like people's development and investing in people is so important. So empowering, being able to like empower them and have the ability to do that. Um, but I mean, there are so many other places that I could totally put that money to. So I think you could probably, with a million dollars, you might be able to do all the investment in your people, plus then do something really cool. Oh, too. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. All right. So we're almost at time. We're going to ask two more questions. The last one that we're going to ask is about an experience that you've had. But before we do that, what's next for you? Like what's, what, what are your top goals? What's on the horizon for Alex? Yeah, I guess like. I mean, my purpose like is to add value to people that I come in contact with and inspire them through passion and, and purposeful leadership. And one thing that I've always wanted to do is write a book. So I, I'm in the process of doing that right now. Um, it kind of intertwines a little bit of some of the things we've talked about today with my experience. And um, yeah, it's just a goal that I have for myself and something that I want to accomplish um, over this next sort of chapter, <laughs> no pun intended, but totally a pun intended uh, <laughs> of my life. So yeah. Well, we're going to have to chat separately because I'm in the middle of a book right now as my, as well. Amazing. So Amazing. We, should, uh, we should compare notes. Fig I'm, I'm, I'm here for really. it. <laughs> yeah. 100%. All right. So let's end the show with this question. We end the show the same way every single time. Um, tell us about an experience that you've had that you were like, holy smokes, that was awesome. Okay, so this is going to maybe be a little bit weird, but it was actually on my honeymoon. Um, got married in September, and my husband and I went to Bora Bora and a couple of the islands off Tahiti, including one that's called Morea. And um, it was an in-person experience. Um, while we were there, it was like, I think too, because it's after years of like sitting at home and being online and just like, you know, we go and we have interactions with people and, and humans, but, um, just a lot of like FaceTime, uh, on online and, and being in person, um, for this tour that we went on, it was, it was an ATV tour around the Island Ooh. and just hear me out with where I'm going with this. But, um, during this tour, you know, the, the tour guide was very passionate about like where he was from and we went all up and down. It was this like four hour adventure, and we learned a lot about the culture and it was just such a, a beautiful, like physically beautiful, but also just like a beautiful uh, uh, culture. 
And um, I've done a lot of traveling and I, I love interacting and engaging with people from all different walks of life. And um, this tour guide, at the end of the tour, we went to this, the tour ends with this like smoothie um, juice where they make fresh smoothies and juice with like the fruit, like out in the back, right? Like that's grown right there. And it's so delicious. We're sitting there and it was myself, my husband, and then this other couple who were also on their honeymoon. FYI, if you ever go to Tahiti, like during the months of like September, October, November, it's just like couples everywhere. So <laughs> just people <laughs> on their honeymoons and it was hysterical, but this other couple and the tour guide. And we're sitting there and little did we know, we started talk, we start talking about life and just the beauty of life and um, this guy's story. And little did we know, it turns out that the tour guide lost his like hundred year old grandmother the night before. And he's sitting there like, he just want, he was so passionate about his job, what he does, where he's from, his life. Like, and he just took the time to like express himself. And it was beautiful. Like it, it was so, so rewarding, like to just be in the presence of this man who was talking about the amazing, like, it like makes me tear up. I'm not kidding you. And I recorded it and um, I still have it to look back on to this day. And he talks about just not letting the little things in life bother you and that that it's just, you know, through connections with people and your experiences of the world around you that matter. And it just like gives me chills to even say it because it's this, it was a total, I was not expecting to have this kind of like eye-opening experience um, during this time. And like, that is something that I respect so much. And like, that's the kind of like joy and, and wisdom and value I hope to add to other people's lives. So it just made me really recognize like what I love to do and um, how do I continue to provide experiences like that, whether it's in person or online um, to others around me. So, yeah. I love it. Alex, you've been amazing. Alex Thank Collis you. from Princess Polly. And by the way, I, I think this is, this could happen. Future Olympic figure skater judge. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could. I think it, it absolutely could happen. But um, is that the journey I'm on right now? Um, not so much, but, <laughs> but that would be a whole nut. Maybe, maybe when I'm retired, to be honest, like that's oftentimes when I, maybe when I'm retired. That would be really cool. I'm just yeah. saying. Alex, yeah. you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, this has been so wonderful chatting today. So thank you. <laughs>